0: Hello, my rebels. Uh, today, I try to talk about the case of George Floyd, the black man who was killed by a white cop named Derek Chauvin. Was race a factor? Were drugs a factor? Was it a murder? A jury says so. I'll do my best to walk through that political and racial minefield. I'll give you some of my thoughts on the whole thing in the state of policing these days. I guess my main question is, who would want to be a cop? Uh, Before I get to that, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. It's eight bucks a month. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. And uh, you'll get the video side of it. You'll get Sheila Gunn-Reed's show, David Menzies' show, Andrew Chapitro's show, and you'll get the satisfaction of keeping Rebel News strong because we don't take any of that government money, you know. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, policeman Derek Chauvin was convicted of murder for the death of George Floyd. What does that mean? It's April 21st, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I'm going to show you some tough video to look at, so turn away if, if you don't want to see it. It's a takedown of George Floyd by Derek Chauvin and other police in Minneapolis. Floyd was a serial criminal. He resisted arrest. He was on drugs. Chauvin was a cop trying to arrest him. But did Floyd deserve to die? But did the cop use excessive force? Is Floyd a global hero? Is Chauvin a racist? And really, who on earth would want to be a cop these days? Take Baltimore, a largely black city where a young man with a knife called Freddie Gray was killed in police custody. Freddie Gray was black, so racism, right? Here are the six cops who were charged in relation to his death. Three of them are black. Racism is confusing these days, so it could be. What I do know is that the riots just kept going after Freddie Gray, and so police, black and white, they got the message. Here's a tweet six years later, just the other day, after defund the police and anti-police riots. This is from the police union in Baltimore. Word is Police Commissioner Harrison will need to close two police districts. As of today, patrol has fallen below 700 sworn officers. 500 cops short, city in crisis, Baltimore police. Here's another tweet by the same folks. 81 officers have fled Baltimore police this year. (laughs) We're only in April. Outpacing last year, pay, working conditions, and the anti-policing climate are the primary reasons. Baltimore Police Department leadership must begin to treat our officers as the professionals they are, 500 cops short, sitting in crisis. So basically, they're missing half their cops. Would you want that job? If you were white? If you were black? If you were anyone? I don't know much about Freddie Gray, or even Baltimore, even though I took a tour through its poorest parts. I think they really do need police there. The black people do. The poor people do. They need them. Rich, white neighborhoods, they usually have police or private security. I didn't see a lot of white people in those rundown neighborhoods, victims of crime there. I don't know what happened to Freddie Gray. I think I know what happened to George Floyd, the cop who kneeled on his neck and back was charged with murder. Was it murder or self-defense? Was it murder or reacting to a big man resisting arrest? Well, there was a trial about that, a jury trial. Would you have wanted to be on that jury? I wouldn't. There was an expert who gave opinion in the court. He had a dead pig's head left in his house. Yeah, would you want to say not guilty if you thought the cop was not guilty? Or would you be afraid of violence against you and your family, or even riots in general? Here's a senior Democrat named Maxine Waters. We're looking for a guilty verdict. We're looking for a guilty verdict, and we're looking to see if all of the talk that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd, if nothing does not happen, then we know that we've got to not only stay in the street, But we've got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we we cannot go away. That's pretty clear. She said that before the trial verdict. Convict him or there's gonna be riots. Even President Joe Biden thought he would weigh in on the trial during the trial. Is that how you do it? They're a good family. And they're calling for peace and tranquility no matter what that verdict is. I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict, which is I think it's overwhelming in my view. Powerful politicians telling judges and juries what they must do in contention in contentious cases. Is that how it works in America? Chauvin was indeed convicted. But some people just want to watch things burn no matter what. I don't know if this truck driver here was black or white. I know he's a truck driver, so he's probably not that rich. Um, I know he didn't do anything wrong to anyone. Take a look. Was Chauvin guilty? Well, the jury says so. Some experts said, no, he died from drugs. He died of other things. But you saw what happens to experts who are politically inconvenient. So there were no massive riots. You know there would have been had Chauvin been acquitted, but still, would you want to be a cop in Minneapolis? Would you want to be a cop anywhere, really, in this age of ubiquitous cell phones filming your every move? Danielle Outlaw... Is the unusual name for a cop. She's a black woman who was the chief of police in Portland. First black woman to hold that job, you'd think she'd be politically bulletproof, especially in Portland, one of the whitest cities in America. (laughs) No, you're wrong. A black woman, sure, but the police chief part? Well, that sunk her. Uh, That's the part that undid her. Portland is Antifa Central, as you may know. It's one of the worst places in the world to be a cop. They literally cut her pay and cut her budget to punish the police, defund police. So she quit. Imagine that. But wouldn't you quit too? But all these anti-cop politicians, they want special protection for their own lives and families. Maxine Waters actually demanded special police protection for herself. Of course she got it. Rich people always do. Powerful people always do. They're not rich and powerful in the poor parts of these Democrat cities. The parts of Baltimore and Minneapolis that riot and burn things to the ground. How's burning a mom-and-pop store, corner store to the ground, how's that sticking it to the man? Isn't that just burning down your own neighborhood? It's Democrat cities almost always. You can't not notice that. Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis. The more woke, the worse. What a contrast to Florida, a Republican state. Look at this press conference the other day about the difference between rioting and protesting.
1: I think it's really remarkable, if you look at the breadth of this particular piece of legislation, it is the strongest anti-rioting, pro-law enforcement piece of legislation in the country. And there's just nothing even close. Uh, The bill does a number of things. One, it tackles head-on this idea that we've seen last summer and then we still see today, that there should be a movement to defund law enforcement. Now, obviously the state of Florida, we're not going to do that under under my leadership. But if a local government were to do that, uh, that would be catastrophic and have terrible consequences uh, for their citizens. And so this bill actually prevents against local governments defunding law enforcement we will be able to stop it at the state level. And if you look at some of these places that have done this, They've already seen crime go up, even just diverting some of the funding uh, to this. And so it's an insane theory. Uh, it's not gonna be allowed to ever carry the day in the state of Florida.
0: Yeah, uh, we need more policing like that, but more politicians to back up police like that. Kneeling on a guy's neck is bad. We've had a little bit of police violence against our own reporters. Nothing as extreme, extreme as happened in these US cases. are. People don't fight back, the police only go so far. It's just bullying, really. We're suing the police in Toronto because we're alive. You can't sue if you're dead. Oh no. We're going to see the police in Montreal, too. Are you pushing good, me? Good Why are you good pushing league. me? I'm
1: not pushing you. Go, sir.
0: Go, sir, please. Hey. They will taser you. They have already arrested one of our reporters after physically assaulting him. This is the police brutality. Hey, Donald we Donald. come here Donald. to observe, and here they come, crooked cops, corrupt. You're crushing me with a bicycle. Are you kidding me? But the media really is a culprit in these American cases, especially. Look at this one. Just even after the Chauvin case, one young black girl, a teenager attacking another young black girl with a knife. A cop shot the attacker. Is that racist? If the one black girl had murdered the other black girl and the cop did nothing, would that have been racist? Or was that even about race at all? The cop stopped a would-be killer. Isn't that the right thing to do? It would have been better if no one had died. But it doesn't always work that way in real life, does it? The media is insane, though. Look at the, how they covered this. A knife fight as if the victim was an equal aggressor. She was un- unarmed, the victim, uh, the one who would have been stabbed. Noting the race of the attacker, but not the race of the saved victim, who was also black. Insane, insane, insane. The media want a race riot. Look, I didn't follow the trial of George Floyd. I'm really glad I didn't. I don't want to know more than I know. I, I don't want an opinion on whether or not he was murdered. The whole thing is awful. It's not our experience in Canada, in the main. But I can still see that the worst people in the world here are the politicians and the media. Here's Nancy Pelosi thanking him for being killed. So again, thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice. She's using him as a political talking point, as a political weapon. Al Sharpton, well, he's a special kind of bloodhound. He can smell money and death, miles away. Look at this. Yeah. In the past year, I have become more keenly aware of police brutality. Luckily, none of my observations have involved murder. Uh, I mean, this boy here, he was pushed, but he'll live That was abusive bullying, but nothing more than that. But what is the mentality behind it? Incredibly, CTV said that boy fell, and they didn't even call him a boy. They called him a man. He's 12. He's 12. CTV is outraged about police brutality in the United States. I I wonder if their opinion about that 12-year-old being pushed by the cop in Gravenhurst, Ontario, I wonder if their opinion would have been a little fiercer if the kid were black. Here's Calgary's police telling you how much they care about George Floyd. You know they do. Thanks for virtue signaling from a thousand miles away, lads, but um, do you have anything to say about your own police who swore at, attacked, assaulted, tasered a young man just for skating outdoors on an ice rink? Anything to say about that, guys? Uh, Do you have anything to say about sending your cops into a church during Easter weekend? Anything to say about that? Or just things to say in a different country. Policing is broken. Police are too often being used as political errand boys by politicians, especially during the lockdown. And they're demonized for fighting criminals when that's what we hire them to do, we need them to do. I know they sometimes go too far, but in this day and age, would you even take the chance as a cop? And would you get a fair trial if you made a mistake? Would you just stay out of certain parts of town? Just turn a blind eye to certain criminals. Just look away. Don't get involved. Wokeness is killing police in two ways. Too bad it's poor people and minorities that'll hurt the most because of it. Stay with us for more.
2: We also have local volunteer groups, we're delivering postcards to people, it's called facts versus fears, to help
0: inform people of the facts and not just the fears that we hear
2: every day from our media and from our politicians.
0: Well, that's some video footage from a recent anti-lockdown gathering in Ontario. These gatherings have been picking up steam. About 200 people there in West Zwick's Park in Belleville. We've seen anti-lockdown rallies across the country, uh, especially as the lockdown politicians have become more and more brutal in their enforcement. I think that Premier Doug Ford of Ontario jumped the shark when he ordered all police in the province to stop people on site without any probable cause to demand where they're going and why. Over 40 police departments in Ontario said they would not participate in such an unconstitutional and illegal search. However, um, while I appreciate those virtue signaling sentiments, it appears that the police are indeed engaging in constitutional violations. And I point you to this story in the Quinty News, where uh, Chief Mike Callahan of the Belva police has boasted that he is investigating an elected member of the provincial parliament, Randy Hillier. Normally you don't even announce an investigation until it's concluded and charges are laid. But this police chief is getting into the spirit of a police state and he's announcing through the media who he's hunting. And it just so happens to be he's hunting the elected member of provincial parliament who joins us now, Randy Hillier is with us via Skype. Randy. Great to be with you, Ezra. It's nice to see you. Thank you for being here. We use the word police state from time to time, and I don't want to overuse it. I don't want to be overly dramatic um, because police states are terrifying things, and we don't want to casually throw those words around. But when a police chief announces he's investigating an elected official, for engaging in constitutionally protected political protest, I think we might be meeting the definition of a police state.
2: Listen, Ezra, we need to call a spade a spade. We have not had honest discussions in this country for a year now. We have our borders are sealed up. We have armed police officers at our borders with Manitoba and Quebec. We have uh, enforcement officials at our Borders with the American states. Uh, we to use the term lockdown is disingenuous. We are in a martial law situation in Ontario. I know people don't want to don't want to recognize and don't want to realize and and speak about this, but let's be truthful here. Uh, we have police chiefs. Uh, out boasting that they're coming after elected representatives who disagree with the political course and political policies of this province and we have our borders sealed up i do appreciate that a quite a number of police services across the province finally after 13 months uh, gave some pushback to Ford last uh, last Saturday, but it is very little. And we have seen, although there are public pronouncements that they're not going to engage in those activities, in practice, we are, are seeing that a great many police services are still engaged in police state activities.
0: Yeah, I, I find it very frustrating. Um, you, you know, it's been 80 years Uh, since the Second World War, and we always criticized German police, German soldiers for, quote, just following orders as they did terrible things. And again, I don't want to uh, lightly make a comparison between what's going on here and God forbid the Holocaust, but we always said just following orders is not an excuse if you're doing something deeply unethical, deeply immoral. The people who wear uniforms who take an oath to uphold the law and the Constitution, there is a point where they have to say, I'm just not going to do this. And you're right, we see armed guards at borders. Even British Columbia is having internal highways, different regions. Um, I mean, that's clearly a violation of our constitutional right to mobility, section six of the charter, your right to freedom of association, freedom of assembly, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. That's section two of our constitution. These things are just being thrown out the window and I don't think it's enough for police just to shrug and say, well, I'm just following orders.
2: Oh, it it absolutely isn't. And and neither is it for the great many of their population. You know, you bring up that analogy of the Second World War. It it wasn't just the people in uniform who were conforming to these immoral and outrageous uh, obedience of orders. It was also the population. And, and we're seeing a great many people here in Canada embracing a totalitarian um, perspective, a totalitarian war. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I use that term purposely. Um, this has turned out to be a war against what Canada is and what Canada has always stood for. It's a war against freedom. It's a war against the individual. It's a war against personal responsibility. And, you know, and of course, there, there are no bombs or bullets being thrown. Uh, but but the coercion, the intimidation, um, and the relentless barrage of fear that governments and public health bureaucrats are uh, bombarding people with, um, you know, and. The complete, not one elected government in our country is upholding the rule of law and our constitution. And we are, in essence, in a lawless state at the moment where an utterance by an elected premier or prime minister or an utterance by a police chief becomes the de facto
0: rule uh, or public health. Well, that's the thing. It's not just police chiefs and politicians you have. Uh, bureaucrats with an M.D., like a, a, a public health officer. I, I hate that they're called top doctors. Most of them haven't had a patient in years, let alone decades. They're not the top doctors in terms of they're the best. They have the best patient care. They have the best outcomes. They're, you know, they get the best ratings from you know, the best recovery rate. They're not the top doctor. They're politicians with an M.D. and And what's so incredible to me is quite often when a politician wants to liberalize the lockdown, you see these public health tyrants who were nobodies 14 months ago say, I will issue the directive, even if the politicians don't, I will shut down um, these stores, these schools. I mean, we saw that incredible moment in Ontario where the education minister said, yes, schools are open. And then moments later, uh, the the health tyrant said, no, we're shutting it down um well we saw per- that with go ahead
2: we saw that with Doug Ford himself the premier of the province where he said if I disagree if anybody disagrees with a public health bureaucrat and let's that's what they are they are not doctors they are not medical professionals these guys are have never held a stethoscope they have never seen a patient they're bureaucrats and and Doug Ford said, If I disagree with them or anybody disagree with them, it would be akin to putting a rope around your neck and throwing yourself off the bridge. That's that's what we have in this country. Recognize it. Believe it or not, that's our politicians have become serfs and uh, uh, and subjects of. Unaccountable, unaccountable, unelected. Bureaucrats who are destroying our lovely country and destroying our way of life and destroying all our foundational um, principles that made Canada so so wonderful that uh, they've just dis- they're destroying our faith, our freedom, our responsibility and um, and they have to be reined in.
0: Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Um Look, I just was jotting down a list here. You were elected as a conservative, but you were booted from the caucus for being too independent minded. Roman Baber also elected as a conservative when he dared to criticize the lockdowns, he was given the boot. Belinda Carahelios elected as a conservative given the boot christina midas another conservative mpp she registered her opposition to these lockdowns as far as i know she hasn't been kicked out yet unless something's happened in the last little while so right there there's four people elected as conservatives who say i just can't go along with this anymore um to to me there's got to be more why aren't they speaking out why? I mean, there's got to be people who hear the pain of businesses shut down, the pain of delayed or postponed cancer care, depression, suicide. There's got to be more. And yet they're silent. Why? Why are they so quiet?
2: Well, there's two parts. You know, I, I think the best way to describe this, what is happening, uh, it's an older term, but it's a term that I think most adequately describes and it's the the phrase is social murder we are engaged in social murder by our political elites what do you mean by that well that that our, our that our elites our public health bureaucrats our politicians are enacting policies that they know will lead to the premature and unnatural death of a great many people. We're seeing this with suicides, with overdoses. We're seeing it with delayed medical attention and in, oh. in, in, in sc- cancer screenings. I've, and heard, I've heard the phrase transplant.
0: statistical murder. I heard that from John Stossel. He's saying the decision will cause all these deaths. So obviously there's not that criminal culpability, but we're making choices that we know will have a disastrous effect on lives and health. I think, I think, I think, I think yeah. and what frustrates me is every day we get the case count of people who, many of whom don't even have symptoms, but we don't get every day the countervailing statistics of how many people died from suicide, from cancer that should have and could have been caught, but wasn't. I, 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 it's a kind of propaganda to only hear. About the coronavirus, when ninety uh, percent of deaths in Ontario are from other things,
2: uh, more more akin to ninety nine percent of yeah. the deaths are from things. But but what I would say back to the that question as well is, we have seen we're not permitted to have an honest discussion in this country when Roman Baber or myself or Belinda uh, speak out and counter the narrative there is a great there is a consequence and for those for all of us there's been the removal from caucus Uh, so we're demanding conformity that's what is at play here we are rejecting a foundational premise of western liberal democracy that open honest healthy debate will lead us to good outcomes and just like the march towards uh, Nazism, there was conformity. Everybody must conform or you will face consequences. And I know there's a great many people in the uh, Ford administration who understand that they are and their policies are tantamount to social murder. Hmm. And and they're fearful of speaking out and and I can uh, and they're fearful of public health and they're fearful of the social media backlash. There's in and, and social stigma. And, and we have a bunch of cowards running our province. We have a bunch of cowards running our country. We don't have statesmen. We have
0: lemmings. Hmm. Um, well, wait, and- let me ask you this. Uh, uh, we started off by pointing out that the police chief in Belleville, Mike Callahan, hmm has publicly announced that he's investigating you. And again, I say that's quite odd because normally an investigation is not announced. It's only charges that are announced. Um, and in fact, we often don't make those announces till the person has formally appeared in court. So this is highly unusual. It's a kind of intimidation, I would think. But let's say he does issue some charges against you. And I, I would imagine they would just be tickets with a very high dollar amount because what you have done is obviously not a crime. What, what do you intend to do? Would you file a, a charter challenge to those tickets? I mean, I, in some ways, I think they'd be foolish to ticket you because you, unlike most people, would relish such a fight and you would probably give better than you got. So if, I think they're coming for you. I mean,
2: well, listen, I I want them to come for me. I want them. Uh, And I've said to uh, Chief Callahan, come on, let's see if you've got the backbone to come in and and charge me. I want to have my day in court with you, Chief Callahan. What if
0: they they were handcuffed? Have you been handcuffed? I I know police have ticketed you. Have you been handcuffed during this lockdown? No, I haven't. That would be a shocking symbol of unelected, unaccountable health tyrants handcuffing an opposition politician who opposes the lockdown. I, I don't want that to happen to you, um, just like I don't want you to be ticketed. But frankly, if it did happen to you, it might be a moment of uh, that crystallizes what's going on. I don't want that to happen, but it would not surprise me at all if it did happen. Hey, let me ask you this. I see uh, behind you uh, a number of interesting things on the wall. One of them is a uh, Lawn sign or a poster for No More Lockdowns.ca. I know that's an organization that you started a few months back. Um, I think our viewers might have encountered it here or there. Can you give me a bit of an update on No More Lockdowns.ca? Uh, what is it? What do you guys do? Um, it just tell us what that means.
2: Well, it, it's a, we've mobilized a great many people. We we recognized a long time ago that the greatest problem here. Is people self censoring? Uh, there's a great many people who oppose these lockdowns, but they don't have a way to express their opposition. So we started a group, no more lockdowns.ca, that uh, we're distributing lawn signs like you see on my wall throughout Ontario. We have distributed about 25,000 so far. We also have local volunteer groups. Throughout the province, and we're delivering postcards, our facts versus fears postcards, to help inform people of the facts, not just the barrage of fear that they hear every day. We're also engaged in many rallies this weekend. Ezra, I'll be—I have an event in Ottawa on Friday. I'll be in Peterborough. Maxime Bernier is joining me in Peterborough at the uh, No More Lockdowns rally. There, we're. Uh, uh, Derek Sloan is joining with me in um, Stratford and in Elmer on Sunday. We also have a, another rally in Chatham, Leamington on Monday. Uh, Derek is also going to be up at the Barry rally on Saturday. So we're we're doing everything to show people that and and explain to people that we are marching and embracing a totalitarian state. And if we're not willing to stand up and speak out and defend and assert our freedoms, we will not have any.
0: Hmm. Let me ask you a question. Uh, I mean, I, I'm i fairly new to Ontario. I've been out here about a decade. So I guess that I'm an Ontarian now, even though in many ways I still feel like an Albertan. I know that uh, a couple months ago, uh, more than a dozen sitting Alberta MLAs, that's the Alberta version of MPPs in Ontario, sign a No More Lockdowns Pledge. And it actually included some people who had some some positions within the government. I think there's a deputy speaker in there, for example. Um, Have you had, so so you just listed a bunch of Ontario activities. Do you have anything you can tell us about the Alberta front? Because there has been some real division out there, uh, arresting a pastor, throwing him in jail for 35 days. Police expropriating a church and turning it into an armed, you know, garrison. There's just some insane things in Alberta, which I always thought used to be the freest province. Do you have any news from out there or are you just more focused on Ontario for now?
2: Well, I'm focused on Ontario, even though I speak with many of the uh, conservative caucus members and, and also quite a number of municipal um representatives in Alberta as well and and indeed across the country. We have about 60 members in our end the lockdown caucus. But here's my view as Ontario is key. Ontario is a trigger to this totalitarian state that we're we seem in a headlong rush to embrace and it whatever Ontario does the rest of the province. We're the largest population center. We have the largest economy and it it doesn't matter if PEI or New Brunswick or or Manitoba um, gets out of this lockdown. They are sort of beholden and must be on the coattails of the largest province. And that's why I'm focusing all my attention singularly to get the people of ontario to understand the gravity and the danger that we're on at the moment and i believe if we can turn ontario then we can turn the rest of the country
0: well i hope you're right randy hillier mpp for atlantic frontenac lennox and addington one of the nicest places in the country I'm so glad to have you on the show. I wish you good luck. And if that Chief Mike Callahan does, in fact, come for you, make sure to let us know. We'll cover that story. And boy, I think he'll be messing with the wrong guy if he does. Good luck, my friend.
2: It will be a pleasure to see Mr. Uh, Chief Callahan come and bring me a ticket. And uh, I'll make sure that we get
0: some video footage if it happens. Yeah, I know you will. All right, you take care, my friend. Thanks for Fighting for Freedom. My pleasure. All right, there you have it, Randy you. Hillier. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back. Wendy Lynn says, if I was caught on video shoving my own child to the ground like that OPP officer did that 12-year-old boy, social services would be at my door collecting my child. However, we do have to be mindful of coming to conclusions when viewing a short segment of video. You're right on both cases. However, I, I just can't even imagine a lad on a scooter being pushed to the ground. Like, uh, it, it, it sure didn't look like the kid was attacking from what other kids said. And we sent our own Lincoln J to that same skateboard park, and he talked to a witness. It's just that the kid didn't have his mask and didn't have his ID. What 12-year-old kid has ID? Doris Reid says, this was not a budget that would contain a means of paying for promises. It's a blatant vote-buying election platform. You're exactly right, and alas, who's there to stop it in the media or in politics? Rick LaLiberde says, he's still there, Trudeau, after all the corruption. Yeah, and you know, um, after a certain point, even though Trudeau only wins with... 30 something percent of the vote after a certain point you have to say well you know what as awful and corrupt and leftist and unethical and senseless and irrational that he is maybe canadians want him that's the show for today until next time on behalf of all of us here at rebel world headquarters to you at home good night and keep fighting for freedom